What is it like to be signed to a record label at the age of 18? Why does one choose to pursue medicine with a successful music career? How do you prepare yourself for medical school after touring around the world? And does performing and being on stage help in interviewing for medical school? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Dan, first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. We've got a great guest today. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Dan just got back from Europe. Jet lagged? Yes, definitely. But uh, it works in my favor because now I get to wake up early, mm-hmm. go to bed early. It kind of resets the summer. And we were just talking before we turned on the pod. Maybe getting in the mindset of a med student. Maybe that'll be helpful. Right. I don't yeah. know. So still a few weeks away. So Yeah. If you'd said nine AM meeting like earlier in the summer, I would have thought, Oh no. But uh <laughs> But this works. This for was you. no problem at all. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Uh let's start at the beginning. So Dan, you're an incoming medical student. Mm-hmm. Congratulations again, by the way. Thanks. Uh where did that dream come from? How did you decide to become a doctor? Um, it was kind of a long, long process. Uh I think it started um with uh, I had some inf- inspiration from someone I worked with in my musical career who was an EMT, mm-hmm. and he would tell stories, and I thought, wow, that's really, that's cool stuff. It sounds like he's got some really valuable skills from that. And then um, shortly before I started my undergraduate, I was sick all the time with like abdominal pain um, that was kind of unexplained, and it was really painful. And I uh, realized over and over that there's like every time I would go to the hospital or something, I would get treated. And uh, I think there's there's nothing that uh, like there's no comfort that rivals getting care when you're that sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, putting those two things together with a love for science that I learned early in undergrad, uh, medicine made a lot of sense um, to do that service for other people mm-hmm. to learn important skills to apply science um, and still get to be very social, meet new challenges every day. Mm-hmm. Were you ever dissuaded in your journey to become a doctor? Yeah, I uh, definitely. Um, it was hard. So, you know, there were times when I was discouraged, uh, and I'm sure those will, you know, there will be many more of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really got me was I really fell in love with physics in undergrad, mm-hmm. and I had a year-long struggle of... Physics is hard. I remember physics kind of destroyed me in undergrad. Yeah. Like, I, it was really hard, but I, I just loved it, and I thought, maybe I should, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. So for a while, I... You know, I had a professor saying, you're a physicist. You should come to the dark side. You got to do a PhD. Quarks. And... Study quarks. Proton <laughs> yeah. accelerators. Yeah. And that was hard. But I shadowed. Uh, uh, like, I overcame that by shadowing more physicians. And, I, you know, that's what really boosted me back into. Did you ever shadow a physicist? I did not. Okay. I was curious what that kind of looks like. So Yeah. That's a good. All I right. don't think I've ever heard of someone doing that. <laughs> so you, you were saying you grew up in Europe. Mm-hmm. In uh, England. Yeah. How did you wind up in Utah? What, what's that story? Um, so my whole family is LDS. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, we were called back to Utah somehow. Okay. Uh, we, like um, an official calling? Not an official. Like, kind of thing? Okay. It seems like a lot of Mormons that end up back in Utah after. Okay. Um, my dad retired. Mm-hmm. We went to Arizona for a little while. Too hot. Uh, too hot. Mm-hmm. Not the place for us. Uh, and so we just ended up back here. Had family here. How old were you when you moved back? Fifteen. Uh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, you probably get this, but you have no accents whatsoever. I'm sure you can turn it on if you wanted to. So in uh, America, it's interesting when you have a British accent in the room. In England, it's interesting when you have an American accent in the room. 
So I was adamant when I was a kid that I wasn't going to change my accent because I thought it was unique and cool. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Were you excited to move back to the to the states across the pond, or I don't remember too well. I think I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I wanted to go back and find my American self or something. <laughs> I don't know. To write the great American novel. <laughs> cool. And then uh, Westminster. How'd you end up there? Uh, so uh, I went to going to high school in Utah. I would drive by it all the time. Um, Where'd you go to high I, school? Uh, this small private school called Realms of Inquiry. Okay, I know Realms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my I didn't go to Realms. One of my friends did uh, growing up, and they had really awesome field trips. I remember he, he was describing yeah. what they did. And, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I went to Patagonia for a month and got like credit for it. And uh, that that beats. I think when it beats. Yeah, when I went on a field trip, we went to the Coca Cola <laughs> bottling factory. So nah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Patagonia that was, is pretty cool. Yeah, that was a great great run mm-hmm. yeah. so you drove by Westminster all the time and just loved the campus I just yeah it had a good reputation my mom always talked about how it was a great school um, and uh, I think the real reason I ended up there is my sister went there uh-huh. before me I have a, two, a sister that's two years younger than me and she went there to study creative writing family legacy yeah and at the time we were living together mm-hmm. um, and I was doing music but I was seeing what she was doing and I thought you know I gotta just I gotta do that mm-hmm. Well, you, I've alluded to it. Let's talk about your music career. So, how old were how old were you when you started like playing instruments? Oh, uh, I, my parents forced me to play piano when I was a kid. Like the vast against, majority of yeah, yeah, children in the world. Against my yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was in middle school, no, um, yeah, I think middle school was when I played the alto saxophone, mm. and I liked it, um, but I it, it was still kind of like a chore to practice. And then when I was maybe. Um, so it's blended in with that time when I was maybe 11 or 12 I started playing guitar mm. and I loved that that was definitely not a chore to pick up the guitar and did I assume you had lessons at first but then did you just kind of self-teach or were you self-taught all the way I self-taught at first then I took lessons for a while mm. okay. and then I went back to self-taught and then I started taking lessons when I was more professional mm-hmm. um, and as uh, like lessons make it, they they're the best. If you're playing an instrument and you're not taking lessons, and you have the ability to take lessons, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so every day we're playing, right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Couple hours. Yeah. Um, and then when did it like when did it start becoming more professional? I mean, when did the concept of bands start to come into focus? Or were you a solo practitioner for a while? Or I'm not even sure if that's the word right wordage. No, I mean, so, yeah, yeah, solo artist. But uh, when I was in high school, maybe my junior senior year is when I started playing with bands. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really into music, uh, and I wanted to, you know, be in a band myself. Mm-hmm. It was like the dream. Um, and uh, my high school band, like there were a couple rival high school bands. And members were coming and going all the time, and my band and another band were gaining momentum locally. And then it, half their band left, and half my band left, and we joined forces, and that became my band, Chelsea Grin, who okay. got signed during our senior year. Awesome. Or shortly after, right when it ended, something like that. So everyone's from Utah in the band. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Utah is a growing music scene. I read some article about that. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, so the so how many of you are there? Six. There's six of you. Yeah. Right. And you play guitar. Yeah. Um, lead guitar. Like uh, a bit of both. Bit of both. Okay. Yeah. And then, who writes the songs? Uh, me and a couple other like, um, we rotated through a few members since the beginning. But it's usually like one, we'll each go and write music on our own on mm-hmm. the computer, and then bring it together and 
the like you know I'll write the drums for a song that I wrote, and then the drummer will come and do his own drums or something like that. So for those of us, like the vast majority of people who listen to this are not in the music industry, walk us through like how did that happen? I mean, what was that like? Just like you said, sign your first contract. I mean, so how did that start growing? What started happening? Uh, it's a whole lot of luck. Okay. Um, the right person saw us at the right time. It was back in the MySpace days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, we were found by a manager on MySpace. And, so you recorded like a little song, or did you yeah. have the full song on MySpace? We had recorded like a couple different songs okay. um, and put them on online. Um, and uh, the manager found us, and he made the label happen. Mm-hmm. So we ended up signing with uh, um, the label is the, the label who puts out like Kids Bop. Mm-hmm. If you heard of them, Razor and Tie. We were like, there's a sub label that manages the metal bands called mm-hmm. Artery. And they took us on, and we went to California and recorded our first full CD, and the management got us tours. How old so, were you when this started happening? 18. 18, okay. Yeah. So were you the, was everyone around 18 in your band? So. Yeah, we were all pretty much 18. We have one guy who's uh, five years older than the rest of us. Called Grandpa? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> we call him Nibbles. So how did that feel like an 18-year-old? I mean, this is just, I mean, this is just an amazing story. It was an adventure. Okay. That's uh, the best way to put it. Um, I had the freedom that I had always wanted from mm-hmm. my parents uh, and independence, and we were just crazy kids. Um, we would, uh, we were obsessed with Taco Bell. We didn't make any money at first, so we get $5 a day each. To sp- uh, we get, like, fed at the venue for the show, okay. and then after the show, we would go to Taco Bell and spend our five dollars on uh uh i don't know gorditas and mm-hmm. Mexican as much you can try to stretch that five dollars as far as you can go yeah is that your per diem i guess yeah okay yeah. um so you're 18 you moved to california I, is this los angeles uh no we were we were based out of utah the whole time oh okay all right mm-hmm. so you signed your first label you record i mean is that an album i mean walk me through the so I, multiple songs, I assume? You, we signed for three albums. Three albums, Three okay. full-length CDs. And that's so we, a kind of a normal contract? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, as the first signing goes, you know, we, we didn't really get paid for mm-hmm. it. We, we, we would get paid from touring, from selling merchandise, and um, getting paid, like, the guarantee for the show. Okay. Um, a lot of that would go to uh, paying for gas and paying for, you know, equipment and whatnot. Um, so we were all relied heavily on our families they supported us through the first couple of years yeah. um, but then eventually we broke free of the opening spot you know getting paid a hundred bucks a night or something like that and now the band headlo- headlines routinely they're, yeah they're in europe right now yeah when we uh we initially linked what happened after you got accepted and then our social media picked up that you posted on your social media so we just linked to it and all of a sudden yeah. all these people who i don't think ever have looked at our our, our hospital or our med school website started kind of following us. So we just like, oh nice. wow, this is this is a very large following. And then I kind of went down the rabbit hole, and yeah, you've been touring everywhere, and it's a pretty large following. So yeah, we got super lucky. That's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Uh, super fortunate to have uh, the fans that we have, mm-hmm. uh, and to I don't know that just we we were able to make it not break up or. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you work that with going back to college and going to school? I mean, would they kind of work around your schedule, or would the band go out without you for a while, or how does that look? Uh, through college, for the past four years, um, I've only toured during the summer with them. Okay. 
there was um, this summer I did there in Europe, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanted to not do anything this summer okay. to mentally reset for med school. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, during the school year, there's no way like that I can go out, leave school for a month to okay. go on tour. Um, and it's hard to go on tour. It's a big uh, shift, because like uh, mentally, because touring now is uh, it's a lot of sitting, like hurry up and wait style. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not a whole lot to do mm-hmm. um, during the day, which sounds weird. But I mean, if you're in Europe and you're parked at a venue, you don't have Uber on your phone or anything, or at least back when I toured all the time, we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uber didn't exist. So, so you kind of just trapped in the sites? venue. Because I assume most yeah. of the concerts at night, right? Yeah. So. During the day, you had to kind of stay there, and you couldn't. Yeah, depending. Go. Sometimes it was different, but mm. um, or a tour like Warped Tour, you're mm. playing in a field and possibly the middle of nowhere, um, so you just can't go anywhere. Um, so just a lot of practicing guitar is what would. Um, and the name of the band is Chelsea's Grin. Yeah, Chelsea Grin. Yeah, Chelsea Grin. So where did that come from? Where, why? Why that name? Uh, it's been around since high school, since before I was in the band. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it, it's like a, it refers to a, this is really death metal, we'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the genre. It's, yeah, I would okay. just call it metal or, but whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But it refers to like a technique uh, gang members in England would use to uh, torture people. Okay. Yeah. I googled it. Yeah, yeah. like the Chelsea, the Chelsea Green is like when they cut someone. Yeah, like, like okay, the what the Joker has. Yeah, yeah, the Joker has. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, really metal, well, I'd say, yeah. Uh, it'll be very prescient if you go into, like, you know, oral maxillary surgery, something like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, like, when when did you tell the band that you were going to go to medical school? Do you, was there a clear moment when that kind of happened? I mean, is this going to necessitate you not being with the band anymore? I mean, like, how was that discussion? I decided to go to undergrad before I decided to go to medical school. Okay. Um, we had just, we'd done a massive tour in Europe. It was our second tour in Europe. It was, this was in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then we did Warp Tour for our first time, which was like the dream tour for any band like mm-hmm. mine. Um, and we did South America that year. And uh, and my sister started at Westminster that year as well. Okay. So all this stuff happened at the same time. And I um, I felt like... I had done all the coolest, like, there wasn't a whole lot more we could do that was way cooler, like mm-hmm. something like Warp Shore. Um, and I was really thinking a lot about uh, job security and retirement mm-hmm. and things like that, like how much longer is this going to last? Um, and I felt like there was, all I'd ever done was music. I didn't care about school at all when I was in high school. I despised math and science, which is really strange to say now. That's very, uh, that's very ironic. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of math I, and science coming your way. So. And I, yeah, and I love it now. It's my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt like there was so much stuff out there that I knew nothing about, and uh, I needed to go find it, and I, and I wasn't in the right spot for the rest of my life being in music. Okay. I didn't want to be in the music industry like as a manager or something like that in the future. Um, so I just dove into undergrad with no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then maybe um, a year or so later, I had realize you know i realized pre-med is what i wanted to do but there was a, definitely a sudden moment when i called the band together and said guys i'm quitting and they said no you can't quit just do what you can mm-hmm. but the um going to medical school was 
throwing the idea around for a while, okay. and it just solidified eventually. So it sounds like they were supportive in the end. They were very yeah. supportive. A little, yeah. a little hesitant at the beginning because yeah. it sounds like you were very. It sounds like you were very, you were a founding member, integral part of the band, and so. Yeah, know. they wouldn't let me quit, which is really nice of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then while you're at Westminster, what were some of the activities you did to help your uh, application be as strong as possible? Uh, the one that always that I like always stands out was shadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my favorite pre-medical experiences. Um, I really uh, structured my pre-med extracurricular um, activities around the University of Utah's admission requirements: the shadowing, volunteering, patient exposure, leadership, leadership research. research. Yeah, those were always in my mind. I had like a document on my computer, keeping track of all of them and what I needed more of. Um, and that's what the pre-med curriculum at Westminster pushed as well. Yeah, pre-med, uh, you know, Betsy, Robin, yeah, yeah they're, they're fantastic. And yeah. I think Westminster is a fantastic program. I think it really helps that the class sizes are smaller. Definitely. They get, you get to know your professors. And I think that really pays off when it comes to, you know, teaching and learning, also letters of recommendation. So I yeah. think it all kind of folds in itself quite nicely. Yeah, when I was doing letters of recommendation, that was when it, one of the moments I realized how amazing Westminster is for how personal your mm-hmm. relationships are with the professors. Yeah, those letters are quite long, and they're quite detailed, and they, they genuinely know you, and that, it's really obvious. So, Yeah, that's awesome. I thanked them profusely afterwards when I you know, realized that was the way it was. But um, uh, You said so shadowing was your favorite. Why? Was it, was it just kind of seeing yourself in that, you know, that job one day, or... I think that like I, uh, I think doctors do amazing stuff, really, and seeing what they do, um, like right there, like uh, so something like patient exposure. I volunteered at the emergency room at the University of Utah Hospital for a while, and I was really behind the scenes. It was like looking through the window and on what was going on. Um, anytime anything serious was going on, um, like a anything like, even like a trauma three or something, I couldn't be anywhere near it. Um, I just was totally in the way. Mm-hmm. But when I was shadowing, I was right there. Uh, I was um, with the patient actually seeing what was going on. And I, um, I was like, wow, this is really cool stuff. If every, if we all just, or not me, but if the doctors just walked out of this room right now, mm-hmm. this, uh, this patient would die without a doubt. So that's, wow. So if I had to ask you today, I'm not going to hold you to it, Dan, but emergency medicine, surgery, I like uh, the idea of surgery because uh, it appeals to my guitar playing mm. history. Um, Good with your fingers, yeah. Yeah, so um, to work with my hands sounds great. I like emergency medicine because diagnostics is really a, a problem-solving um, scenario, mm-hmm. uh, like kind of like solving um, doing physics problems where mm-hmm. it's not you know there's many ways you can do it, and but it, you all always end up at the same place. If that. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I have a really open mind because there's so much to see and learn in the next it, just year even that I yeah. um, I'm trying not to zone in on one thing and and with our medical school like you know we're, we're a tertiary care center uh, we have all these different disciplines you know I like mm-hmm. to tell people like look you know you don't like, again you're like an undifferentiated stem cell at this moment you know, definitely you, have, you haven't declared yourself so maybe you'll be a pediatric endocrinologist and guess what we have a whole department division. Awesome. Dedicate to that, and then you can say the same thing about burn surgery or trauma surgery, trauma surgery or yeah. genetics or biochemistry. So, 
uh, it's really great to kind of be under the umbrella and have all these kind of different divisions and departments because there's all these opportunities to learn, grow, network, do research, mm-hmm. things like that. So. Yeah. You said at the second look day, you're in the club now. You can shadow yep. whoever you want. Yep. And I thought oh, that was like a yes. <laughs> yes. I, there's a lot of bureaucracy when you're a pre-med to get into those clinics and shadowing. Them. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, um, recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, I think you did some stuff at the Malahi clinic yeah. yeah so what do you do at the Malahi? and what, what is the Malahi clinic the Malahi clinic is in um south salt lake it's a free clinic um mm-hmm. that people who um make under a certain threshold of income household income per year um can go see doctors for free um so it's you see mostly um people from underprivileged groups there um and it's operated completely by volunteers mm-hmm. um so I, the reason I ended up there was I, I'd done an EMT course and I was at the University of Utah emergency room behind, completely behind the scenes. They wouldn't let me even disconnect an oxygen container. Um, and I wanted to get some more hands-on experience without having a job because I wanted to focus on school. So the Malahi, the, all they have are volunteers. So volunteers have many more privileges there. And uh, so that's what sucked me into it at first. But then I ended up loving it because it was like a so many interesting different people um got to practice a little bit of spanish good um and uh you really feel like you're doing something Mm -hmm. good there uh i ended up working in the diabetes clinic Mm. so doing things like uh giving it uh educating doing foot exams doing eye exams um as as much as you you know to a reasonable extent okay Uh, so you get a lot more autonomy and freedom to do these things yeah and uh, I understand there's a Malahi group at the University of Utah, so I'm looking forward to Oh, yeah, a lot of student interest groups. And trust me, they're going to track you down if you don't yeah. find them first. Uh, yeah. I'm so during the first back. month, they're going to have a big uh, student interest group fair where all the different um, interest groups come, and they do booths, and they have the student representatives. And they're kind of recruiting like your incoming class because you guys yeah. are going to join and eventually take over the leadership positions and kind of sustain all these different projects. And, yeah, Malahi does have a – very large presence so awesome. it's interesting like yeah like sometimes they give out candy i always think it's weird when <laughs> students give candy to each other like, you know. so cool oh, yeah i would see them at the clinic too they'd all come in and they're all excited to be there yeah and, yeah and i would just look at them with searing jealousy like <laughs> you know three years ahead of me and... yeah well now 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 you're on the other side now you're in the club all right uh last few minutes dan this is going great um so interview day here's a question for you so you have performed hundreds, if not thousands of times, screaming audiences, cheering your name. How how that compared to the anxiety going in to do a, like a med school interview? Did you feel like you had some sort of advantage since you kind of had this background or were your just nerves everywhere? Or, what, what, you know, what, what's some tips you have for people preparing for that? Um, I had a I did like I don't think I had as much anxiety as a lot of people do. I okay. think I was. Um, cause it's about performance at the core, right? You got to present yourself. Yeah. Put, put the best foot forward. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, the interview day here was, uh, interesting one because I couldn't sleep at all the night before oh, no. I was, I had like an hour if, if you could call it sleep. And so I was like dead when I came in and totally wired on coffee and I thought I was doomed. I had, um, <laughs> so I Were you just thinking about the interview the night before or. Yeah, uh, and it was a difficult semester, or maybe a difficult time in the semester. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I, I just couldn't sleep, and I was really n- nervous about that, um, about not being able to be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I th- this I was expecting something different from the interview. I was expect the physicians I talked to, um, who you know are practicing now. They said it's going to be a conversation. You're going to talk about you know, like when I had my interview, we talked about you know my dogs and stuff like that, and it was not like that at all. Um, what was it like? It was uh, like a, a perf- like a very formal interview, okay. um, and it took me like a you know split second to realize like oh you know yeah, threw me off guard yeah. but yeah okay this is so maybe that worked in my favor sure. and, and it was uh, it, it got really serious really quickly um, not in a bad way at all it was just um, they would ask me a question and I would answer it full stop mm-hmm. next question um, the best parts of the interview were when they um, got more. More conversational. Like conversational. Yeah. Um, How about the uh, MMI? Did you like the MMI more? Or? I loved the MMI. Why? Why? Uh, it was spontaneous. It was the questions were interesting. Mm. Um, it was more, much more of a conversation. But it was really just like a stimulating experience. Like there's, there's no way you can prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like by the MMI, I had woken up, and okay. I felt like the I was coffee really, kicked in. Yeah. Caffeine was running through your veins. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt like I, I, the, I just really enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. hard to put my finger on it, and I, I'm afraid to like say what the, you know, not allowed to. Yes, we kind of swear questions. you guys to secrecy. Yeah, but I can tell you. So uh, we're increasing our MMI stations for next year. Awesome. Because the research has shown, uh, and it's becoming more and more clear that um, you get a bigger bang for your buck. Like applicants yeah. universally love the MMI more than traditional interviews. And by having multi, uh, by having more and more stations, you kind of spread the risk around. Um, and right, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, so if someone does poorly at a station or two, it's not the kiss of death. People can still right. kind of, you know, you have multiple opportunities to succeed, multiple multiple opportunities to show us who you are. So yeah, MMI is, you know, I'm a yeah. MMI believer now. I was kind of skeptical at first a few years ago, but doing some research into yeah. it and then kind of piloting it and growing it, it's a lot of work though. It's a lot of a lot of coordination. I couldn't do it with I, staff. It's, it's, I it bet. takes a lot. And then, heaven forbid, something happens. Yeah. And, yeah. The, the, my staff is fantastic yeah. at troubleshooting things. So. I know there were students giving the yeah. interviews as well, too. Like, there, it was a, you have like a sort of connection with another student. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's t- very unspoken. And I don't know if they feel the same way, but I, like, that, you know, opens, makes more, makes it more easy to be yourself mm-hmm. um, and show who you really are in an MMI. And, um, but yeah, the interview, the interviews were great overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just assumed with your background in music and performing that it would be kind of a natural extension. I think so. Because um, sometimes people like this is like the first time they've ever had an interview. Because you know people don't really interview to go to undergrad. You know, mm-hmm. so you know for a lot of people this is the first time they've ever had kind of a high stakes interview. So. Right. It was definitely my first high stakes interview. Um, the one on one ones were nothing like I'd ever done before, and okay. that's probably why I was caught off guard and. Um, and did you do the traditional interviews first, then MMI? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So it's just like the draw. Sometimes you know people do MMI first yeah. and then traditional interviews. So we looked at it, and then we, there's no statistical significance. You know who does what first. It all kind nice. of balances it out. So we've, we've talked about that. All right, last few minutes, Dan. Uh, any other advice you would give to those out there applying to med school? Um, I uh, think having kind of a non-traditional because you're a non-traditional student technically. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, I think being yourself, mm-hmm. um, rather than 
uh, being a cookie cutter. You set in one um, event at Westminster College that you led, the mm-hmm. most recent one. Um, you talked about how so many applicants, like no matter how good their application are, it, is um, they are they. There's a lot of the same application over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so be yourself. If, if like I had this moment when I was trying to figure out, do I go and put more time into volunteering, or do I put more time into um, science classes that have nothing to do with medicine? Do I go and I, do I learn um, special relativity instead? Mm. Not going to help my application, but makes me feel like me. Mm. Um, that's uh, not to undermine the importance of volunteering. That's definitely what everyone should be doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, uh, over most any other of the university requirements. If I'm, I think that's yeah. the volunteering is incredibly important. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause like the committee views that as like, how do you spend your free time? Are you really dedicated to helping others? And they kind of look at that mm-hmm. and that, that can really separate someone's application from another. So. Right. Yeah. So volunteering and, um, being yourself and doing what you love rather mm-hmm. than what you think you should be doing to be more competitive. Cause I think doing, being yourself and, uh, will help you stand out, which makes you more competitive than the people you're similar to. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And then last question, Dan. Uh, I want to hear a tour story. You must have a lot of good stories. Uh, okay, I do have a lot of good stories. Let me think of the right one. Uh, sure. Can I give you some um, parameters? Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, police? No. Uh, okay, <laughs> you, you, okay. you gave me this look. <laughs> one of my favorite. Um, lost luggage, uh, international... Um, strange people showing up, um, groupies. Am I allowed to use that word? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, that's a thing for sure. Um, um, we, uh, there's a good police story. One time we were in a, we were staying in a parking lot, just parked in okay. the bus all right. uh, overnight on, on a day off. Uh, we were all, we would all park at Walmarts cause it's like a oasis of shopping and like yeah. Walmart is a huge thing in touring. Uh, and plus, I hear their parking lot policies are pretty lax. So Definitely. a lot of people yeah, park they're overnight. great. Yeah, because um, they want people to go in the store the next morning and buy stuff. That's they're, they're not like totally like, yeah. innocent. In this they have a capitalist motive okay, for sure, so. but it works great. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we were really bored, and so we decided to take all the paper towels out of the bus and put them in a shopping cart and lit the shopping cart on fire <laughs> in the parking lot. Uh, the police were called. Okay. They came and did we, it melt down the shopping cart? Uh, no. Okay. It, right. You know, it turned it black. You know, okay. but uh, it was a good little bonfire. <laughs> good little bonfire, and the police came and we all saw them and we all ran into the bus. Like we're like, oh no, we're afraid. And then we ran in the bus and we looked at each other and we thought, this was so stupid. We can't do like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. No. And we ran back out of the bus and the police, they're like, why did you? What are you doing? And we said, we don't know. We're like, we'll, we're young. we'll calm down. <laughs> we'll chill out and. And they just started laughing really hard, and they didn't even say another word. They just turned around and got back in their car. Where is this? What state is this? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Somewhere in the... Um, Mid- Midwest South. Yeah. Okay. So that was a really... Uh, just a, a funny... You know, lighting... I could, I'll never forget the image of the shopping cart just completely ablaze, mm-hmm. full to the brim of paper towels and toilet paper. Um, That's pretty good. A, yeah, we had some good times. Good times. Good times on that tour bus in the Walmart parking lots. So. Yeah, good times on the tour bus. You guys um, ever get lost internationally? Your musical instruments disappear? We have, uh, When I was at school one time, they lost a couple of guitars mm-hmm. that were like you know, one-of-a-kinds, mm-hmm. hugely expensive instruments. 
they ended. They showed up somehow wow. after um, weeks. Were they intact? Yes. Not broken. Yeah. Okay. There was one t- when we went to South America. Uh, maybe they're they treat like musicians like rock stars there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never felt like more of a rock star in South America. We would our plane would land and there'd be kids at the baggage claim waiting for us. Wow. Um, and they'd follow us to the hotel and sit outside of the hotel waiting for us to go out to get some food or something to get mm-hmm. autographs. That was amazing. Do you guys have a, a, another band that you feud with? Like you have like rivals or, or you, everyone's pretty nice collegial. Yeah, right the, okay. these yeah, right. maybe once upon a time, okay. I don't know, but now we just have like we have like a couple best friend bands mm-hmm. um, that we tour with more often than others that we're just really close to. Okay. Uh, Any songs you wrote uh, about like med school and becoming a doctor? Or? No, never wrote any like lyrics or anything. Okay. That's all. The the vocalist does all of that on his own. Okay. And then I guess last question: What's the best place you've ever been to touring, touring wise? I loved South America. What part? Um, Patagonia? We, uh, no, we okay. did like Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. Okay. Um, Colombia was so beautiful. Bogota. Um, I don't. I don't really remember the show very well. I remember a, a show in Mexico City that was totally wild. That mm-hmm. was great. But uh, I really love um, South American Mexican culture and the language and the people. Mm-hmm. Is that where you learned your Spanish? You mentioned the Spanish. I learned Spanish in high school and uh, like wasn't fluent at all, could get by. And then last year, um, my senior year of college, I did Spanish 2 and 3, and it's kind of like reignited my Spanish language love and hoping, hoping to do some medical Spanish while I'm at this yeah, university yeah, in Utah. Yeah, medical Spanish too. So. Cool. Well, Dan, I, you know, this has been fascinating. I'm, uh, let's keep in touch. Let's have you back on the pod maybe in a year. We can kind yeah. of like talk about how your Love first to. year went. And, and uh, you know, because I, I, the thing I'm always fascinated by, and this is why I love doing this, is that there's like a perception of what medical school will be like. And, you know, when you're from the outside looking in, you have like these notions, these ideas. But then I just love it when students come here and they start doing the work and they're learning and they're, and they're becoming doctors. And then talking to students like, okay, you have these notions what med school was going to be like. Now you're in it. What's different? What's what's exactly what you thought it was going to be like? And so I love those kind of discussions. So and especially in a, your journey is unique, but everyone's everyone's journey is unique. Yeah. But like you coming in a little bit older. You're, how old are you? Twenty six. Yeah. So you're a little bit older, um, and you know you've kind of seen the world. You kind of had this different career, and now you're going to become a doctor. And I think you bring certain wisdom and perspective. And I would just I just love to explore that with students. So I'm yeah, excited for you. This is an exciting time. It's so, so exciting. I can't wait to see. Now, the hardest part is, we just talked about before we turn on the pod, is like, what do you do these last few weeks during the summer? So, yeah. Yeah. What am I? I have no idea what I'm going to do. Relax. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> Maybe something else. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Read some good books. So, We've got cool. six more weeks. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.